0: Welcome to the iAOM podcast, First Break Stories from the Roll Floor. I'm your host, Simon Tietke. Today we are joined by Troy Anderson, VP of Operations for Arden Mills. We talk about his career in the milling industry, the value and development of employees, and a very timely topic of how the milling industry adapts to a global pandemic. But first, a word from our sponsors. Bühler Insights is the digital service available from Bühler it provides unprecedented levels of transparency for your process by capturing data from the machines in your plant and then visualizing that data in a digestible format for you to make more informed decisions about your production process. It works on a single machine, an entire plant, or across a multi-site organization. Bühler Insights is a powerful, customizable and highly secure digital solution that increases productivity, it could be increased yield, reduce plant downtime, machine, Line or plant performance analyzers in comparison or reducing your energy usage. Whatever your top priority is, Bühler Insights has you covered today and into the future. Contact your local Bühler office to find out more, or just search for it online today. GEA Golfetto Sankari consider milling raw materials such as maize, wheat, and cereals as a promise—a promise to all their customers to promote environmental sustainability and make the most of the resources offered by our planet. That's why GEA Golfetto Sangati's milling technology is developed with the aim of protecting raw materials in the most effective way by reducing internal friction, optimizing the layout and maximizing the energy savings. Discover how GEA Golfetto Sangati develops and builds milling plants of any size and any capacity on GEA.com. Troy, welcome. Thanks for joining me on the podcast
1: yeah thank you, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here
0: yeah it's always fun when people take time and you know especially in these busy times right now to to um come up a podcast like that and you know talk about some of the tough topics and some of the good topics in the milling industry and um so there might be some people out there that know you. I hope they are you know with your history in the milling in the milling world but um there might be some out there that that don't know you that well so maybe if you want to fill us in with your Personal history and flower milling, maybe where you came from, what kind of school you attended and those things down the line.
1: Yeah, certainly. And um, again, it's it's nice to be with you today. We've we've all had to get more creative on how we stay connected and build relationships in the environment we're in. So just wanna thank you for for getting these podcasts started and the great work you're doing to try to build connectivity in, in a totally different world that we're living in today. Awesome, thank so, you. Yeah. 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 So again, uh, Troy Anderson. And uh, I guess I'll start uh, way back from the beginning. If, if you could see me, I, I am now one of the gray hairs of the industry. Um, I grew up in central Kansas in rural McPherson and um, had the privilege of, of being in a family of, of grandparents. that both had dairy farms and, and grew a lot of wheat and corn and milo. And so agriculture really at my core has, has been part of my family, part of my background from, from way back when. Um, went to Kansas State, originally started out in engineering when I went on campus in, in 1988, uh, and soon found out that I just didn't have a passion for that. And, and fortunately, uh, through, a, through really random luck, um, I made my way over to the grain science department uh spent some time with, with Dr. Eustace, which I think all of us know and in, in some way or or other, uh Dr. Eustis uh, had a large part for many of us uh being in this career and he talked me into trying out milling science and yeah, I, heard lot, yeah. I heard about him a lot
0: I heard yeah. about him a lot from 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 a lot of people I talk into in the milling industry. I've never met him obviously but but for sure. Quick um on the engineering part, this is a story you heard before too. So I I hear a lot of milling science, grand science students come from a different major. Is that pretty typical?
1: Yeah, I I think it is. Um, Again, my personal story, I I thought I wanted to be an engineer. I I like the critical thinking aspect of it. Um, I I like the career opportunities aspect of it. But as I won, as I went into the engineering program at K-State, the competition was just extremely tough. Um, not that that was a deterrent, but but it was extremely tough. And and I just didn't have a passion because um, I didn't see a lot of the people side yeah. of the engineering space. And again, as I, I, by luck, got introduced to Dr. Eustace and, and then to uh, Steve Curran, who was another extremely influential yeah. mentor for me. Um, they really made an impact with me as, uh, I'd say, selling the program that it is a lot about the relationship side, a lot about the people side, still a good use of technical skills and analytical thinking, but uh, really so much about the people side of our business. And, and I, as I have heard from others that had a similar transition, um, I hear a lot of the same story where in milling, um, we get to leverage those, those technical skills that we enjoy doing and at the same time, we get to build really strong, strong relationships and work with just first-class people um, that uh, that also value the people side of what we do every day. So I think that's a common thread.
0: Yeah, I think I think really you're is- right. I think you're right. And 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 to add on to this was I, what I've been seeing from K-State so far, and I spent a fair amount of time there, was that um, that the class sizes is is much smaller. It's more like a family communal learning setting than probably an engineering degree at K-State could be, right? I mean, you, you you know everybody really in your class, and you get to know them well, and it's I think the learning setting is is more efficient that way. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Um, I, I, I overgeneralize this, and, and I may get in trouble with some that hear this, but in engineering, it was about eliminating those that weren't serious about it the first year, whereas in milling, it's about bringing everybody in that... that has even an inkling that milling may be a passion. So pretty different spectrums of of at least the perspective I had on the different programs.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So K-State graduate, where did you, where did you move after that?
1: Yeah. So I graduated in 1992. And at the time uh, the way the curriculum was set up, I graduated with the operations um, program in milling science. Um, I, I, Went with Cargill flour milling at the time, went out to Albany, New York, uh, really had a great experience, and I should add in there, uh, two days before I started um, at Albany, I got uh, married to my wife, Allison, um, <laughs> so a lot of things happening within uh, about a 30-day window there, yeah, but all sure. of us experienced that, um, but uh, that was really my first, the other side of milling, uh, all of us know this, and um, if you are from Kansas and if you go through the Milling Science program, odds are you're not going to end up in Kansas. And mm-hmm. that was really my first exposure to leaving Kansas, being away from family. Uh, but again, be, because of the relationship family aspect to our industry, um, I soon realized that I, I had a I was building and growing my family in, in uh, my coworkers and just overall in the industry as well. And uh, just what a great experience it was! That first move from there, I, I made the track out to Stockton, California, so completely
0: across the country. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Quite a different place was, for uh, Kansas for Kansas boy too. Dip- huh?
1: <laughs> very different, and really two extremes, two totally different cultures between New York and Stockton. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the other side that a lot of us have learned is is um, the world is much bigger than than at least for me. I, I grew up within about a five-mile radius of what was my grandparents on my dad's side farm and my other grandparents were two miles away I went to high school three miles away so other than traveling for sports my world was pretty small until I uh, left Kansas State and and got into the industry
0: Mm. (laughs) yeah I can see that I mean I kind of have the same not the same, but a similar similar background was growing up in a small town in Germany, and pretty much had more like a 50 mile radius for my whole life. But then, you know, I think the f- second big job I got put into Australia, and um, stayed there for seven months to build a flower mill. There was I had this kind of same experience, got thrown out quite a bit. Didn't do any major travel before that. I take you didn't didn't either. Huh?
1: Yeah, it's you probably experience the same as me. The, the more you experience, the more you travel, the smaller the world gets, and, yeah. and uh, the more you realize uh, we have more similarities similarities than differences as far as people that we often think are totally different than us, different parts of the world. Yeah, so.
0: I always tell people it gets very relatable. It might be Absolutely. different, but it's relatable to what you've seen before, right? There's a difference when I'm yeah. in the Philippines, definitely to, to Eastern Africa, but there's so much that's relatable to it, right? Right, and, exactly. And that just connects people. I agree with that and connects it's all the experiences you have, for sure. Yeah, It's really good perspectives. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, and, so in my role, really, my, my Stockton opportunity was the first time I actually jumped in and used my um, technical milling skills, of course, managing people at the same time for the first time, and uh, so through my career path, moved moved 12 more times and wow. roles, uh, again, from head miller to to um, project engineer, uh, maintenance supervisor, um, assistant plant manager, plant manager, um, operations managers, both in, in uh, the grain business and in flour milling, um, and then ultimately into the, the current role I am today with Arden Mills. So oh. again, just lots of different opportunities and Lots of different uh, great friendships
0: made uh, along the way. Yeah, I mean, besides, besides you, you're located in Denver right now. I take it correct. Besides yes. your current position and your current location, what has been your favorite place to be to work at?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll have to go with Saginaw, Texas. Um, actually, Saginaw, Texas, Wichita, Kansas. Uh, yep. the two two of uh, my favorites. Very u- unique stories. So. Um, I had an internship in Saginaw, Texas before I started full-time, just loved it, Um, went back there as the plant manager uh, in the early 2000s, and and my wife would still be there today if I could have handled the crowds and the heat better, but uh, as a family, we just love Texas, great people, uh, lots of challenges and opportunities at the plant that made it really fascinating uh, in my role. And then um, my connection to Wichita, obviously close to home, close to family. Uh, actually, was uh, based in Wichita three different times in my uh, what is a 20, 28, 29 year career now, and yep. kept thinking uh, my wife would would love it as much as I would, and we'd make it a forever home. And just uh, for all the right reasons, different opportunities came, and and we moved on each time. But um, those are probably the two I have the, the most connection points with.
0: Makes sense. Good. So yeah, and, and now you at the headquarters in in Denver, huh? It's quite the journey to get there, for sure. Right. Yes. Good. Well, um, thank you for the introduction. Um, moving on a little bit, I think you know I think it's one of our biggest topics today and for the near future and the biggest topic in the milling industry. It's not right now, it's not grain quality or yields or or diseases in grain or whatever we had before or you know, salmonellas or whatever. That's I think this is this quite got all put, not on the back burner, but probably in the second slot of priorities. And I think the biggest priority right now we talk about is COVID. And the crisis the world went through here in the last nearly 12 months. I think it's been 10 months now. We've been all facing a different world, really. Everything turned upside down. And not just for for the milling industry, but for everybody. But it, it you know, as you know, a crisis like that always influences an industry like the ones we are at food supplying basics food supply, right? Very much though, so. and I, I've I've seen it personally in our industry in our in our company, but I've I've heard it industry wide that that we you know we couldn't just shut down right first of all right that's the biggest thing we cannot shut down we cannot stop producing flour because people need to eat baked b- baked goods and goods that have grain in them right that's the first yeah. thing and the second thing is. Demand <laughs> went up quite a bit on a different area we are maybe not used to, which is small packs and packaging, right? And I think you probably faced the same thing. And it's not like you can just build a line quickly. So how, how do you, for, just to start with the first point, how, do you, how, do you, how did you guys deal with, with keeping running? Keep, but, but on the other hand, most importantly, keeping product supply to your customers and keeping your employees the safest you can.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's such vivid memories. Uh, first part of March, we obviously started thinking COVID-19, thinking pandemic planning, had no clue uh, the impact it was going to have. Um, Mar- just a quick story, March 13th, uh, which was Friday of 2020, our senior leadership team, we, we had a-, a meeting first thing that morning just to have another quick collect, what, what are the new updates, what are the plans, um we had the conversation, um, what will we do when when we need to go to to uh, leave the offices and and do more remote work, and how will that impact our plants? And by noon that Friday, the thirteenth, um, everybody that could work remote was instructed, asked to start working remote. Um, <laughs> it's just such vivid memories of how fast things transpired uh, with the pandemic. and again none of us had ever lived through it before um, Dan die um, my boss our, our CEO made the statement that Friday that this will this will be the the most uh, uh, influential the, the biggest learning and development leadership growth that any of us will go through likely in our careers and um, he absolutely was a prophet that day because it surely has been and uh, from day one uh, we really, we immediately took the approach to the things you said uh, of narrowing our focus to two very important critical deliverables, and and that was focusing on the safety and health of our team members and their families, specifically at the plants, Uh, because at our flour mills, at our bakery, at our mix facilities, um, we knew that production must continue to feed hundreds of millions of people that that eat flour grain-based products every day and needed to. Um, such a nutritious, uh, healthy uh, solution and, and affordable in these uncertain times. And then the other was de- was delivering to the customer's needs, because specifically to your point, um, retail just took off. And, and some different parts of, of food service yeah, exactly. um, grew and other aspects of food service, as we all know, that the sit-down restaurants just fell off um, the whole table um, pretty literally. So, so many shifting dynamics that were going on, and again, just working through those unknowns early on, um, it, it, it really was, and it took a lot of coordinated effort that we could um, keep, we stay, we, we intentionally wanted to stay planted in, in CDC and with uh, the safety and health professionals and guidance, because as I'm, I'm sure most people remember seeing, and unfortunately still do, if, if you look at the media, Um, You could be led in all different directions and reading one story, go one direction, another story, the complete opposite. So we soon realized we had to stay some grounded in some very specific and reliable sources um, to help guide us and and, um, help lead us through those uncertain times back in early, early phases of the pandemic.
0: From above and beyond service to incredible flower performance in your facility, Miller Milling Company goes the extra mile at every mill. Miller's team's dedication and attention to details helps them learn your business so they can work seamlessly as a part of your crew. Whether you need existing products or customized solutions, you can count on Miller to deliver exactly what you need. Miller Milling also works to make sure every link in your supply chain is secure so you get a reliable product on time every time. And if something ever happens to go wrong, they always make it right. Because here Flour is more than a processed grain, it's a partnership. Welcome to Milling Made Easy. For over 40 years, Lawrence Conveying Products has been North America's single source manufacturer for all things dry bulk. Lawrence offers a wide right range of pneumatic conveying product solutions including diverter valves, slide gates, couplings, elbows and more. Customization is their specialty. Family owned since 1979, Lawrence understands the importance of quality service and flexibility. Clients aren't just clients, but rather extended members of the family. Save purchasing dollars by contacting Lawrence, your one-stop shop. Yeah, for sure. I was I was just impressed personally when all this happened, of how or what could be done in a short time. If you put your mind and your willingness and you have no other chance, you know if you put everything to it. And you know, for example, if somebody told you in January it's like yeah ninety percent of your supervisor's gonna work from home from tomorrow and you would say that's impossible right or or things like you know you change you change this amount of production from bulk to pack to small pack. you would have said it's it's impossible right but but somehow somehow everybody pulls together and and gets it through in the shortest possible time, and that was just one of my takeaways that it just. Broaden my understanding of what actually is possible, if you really put your mind and your willingness to it, and I think that was one of the big, big takeaways. And then, and then of course, you know the whole, how do you, how do you keep people safe? And I think that's still, still one of the biggest questions out there. Is I mean, uh, we've been really, really lucky with low cases and things like that, but, but it's just how do you, how do you con control that, and how do you make sure that people be safe? But on the other hand feel comfortable and I think this is just, just, just this was just a thing that we did really needed to be balanced and I think we, we're on a good page now with how we do it with, an, with a Miller milling but, but I think what you said before was following the CDC guidance I think was very important and, and, and science is, is something that most people have to understand is not a factual necessary 100% factual solution based Based thing right science ev- evolves that's why today science is different than tomorrow, and that's the part of science, right? That's that's the idea behind science. And a lot of people want just one correct answer, and that's just not out there, especially with something something COVID <laughs> provides for us. And just staying strictly with your standards, I think, was the way to go. Um, personally, I think we, within our company, we tightened the standards up more than the CDC guidance was, and I think that helped us out a lot, right? It, it, that that brought us further to where we're at. But man, we had some. We had we had some tough times in between to 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 keep those mills mills producing, but for sure it worked out.
1: Yeah, and and uh, you you made a statement focusing on on what we can control, and that was so important early on because uh, again, so many unknowns and and uh, again, there are different sides of the spectrum, some hysteria going on, and so really trying to ground our team members. we, we, um, we immediately started off having daily calls across our entire group.
0: Yeah, same so really, here. keep
1: everyone grounded in the right information, the right facts, and really focusing on those things we could control. Um, which over time evolved to making sure we were we were wearing wearing facial coverings, making sure we we were practicing good physical distancing. We we um, went through and reviewed all maximum maximum occupancy standards in yep. control rooms, meeting rooms. We we really. Um, to a degree, shut out external visitors and contractors for a long time and, and continue to have very tight requirements around who who comes into our plants and who doesn't. Um, we just did all, to your point, everything that was within our control, um, we really focused in because there were just things that were out of
0: our control um, that, uh, that we couldn't. So yeah, I think that was a really good part. I think, too, you know, when you look at where we are today, right how How this all happened, what kind of actions we took to to be more efficient is some is one of the biggest learning factors we can take out of that just 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 talk about role changes right You always need two people, definitely at least two people to be safe. sometimes three people depends how old your role model is right, what your procedures are, so you have two to three people working straight right to with each other, right six feet is hard to keep apart when you do something like this, and then you can't do as many because you probably run skeleton crews. You're careful, right? You keep people apart. But everybody knows that it's milling. If you get behind with role changes, you have an issue, right? right? And and right. it's not going to get much better here soon. It took us 10 months to be where we're at. So it's not like you can switch the switch off, take COVID off and start changing roles to catch back up, right? So you cannot get behind. That's important. That was one of, you know, for me as a technical miller, that was one of the important tasks is how do we keep maintenance as efficient as possible? But then also, the day-to-day milling activities, how do we keep people still engaged with all that, the restrictions more or less they have throughout the day, how do we keep them still engaged in doing their break releases, evaluating their sifter boards, you know, doing those things, because you can't forget that, you know, the mill should still run efficiently and we should still be able to make the highest quality flour for our customers, right? And those things I think we learned out of that are very valuable and it didn't it showed me just how efficient you can actually run a process. And I think those are takeaways. And that, that brings me to my next question because I can already answer my part of it, but do you think we'll ever go back to normal? And what does uh, normal look like? You know.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely not if normal references uh, 2019. Yeah. Um, I, I do not see uh, 2019 normal ever again, at least in, in our future. Because we've You said it earlier, we've realized we can do things better, safer, more efficient, uh, both through the use of technology, but also just by challenging ourselves. Like you referenced the roll stands, the sifter sifter work. um, We have this term called the genius of the and. So it's not about working roll stands and not being safe, it's working roll stands and being safe, Mm -hmm. or working sifters and doing it safely. So this focus on um, the genius of the and and this this new environment, this new reality that we're in, um, I would say by a large part, we have figured out how to do things more efficient, better, safer, um, that will continue forever and will never go back um, to how we were doing things in 2019. Um, and um, again, technology, only one part of that, we've taken leaps and bounds in technology and really found some great solutions um whether it's uh, virtually participating in yep. in uh, meetings or even on the floor project activities uh, just lots of things that uh uh through through the reality of just having being forced to figure out a different way to do it we've found a better way to do it yeah I and think that
0: will change I think technology is Thanks. definitely one of the biggest helpers when it comes to those things first of all i I had just a couple podcasts back I had a We talked about technology a lot within the automation, but also the IoT world, how it helps millers, but then realizing how much that stuff can can help you with keeping people at a safe distance, right? You could, for example, have mobile phone apps where all your KPIs are on from your mill that each employee can can run on their mobile phone, right? And don't have to be standing in a control room consistently next to each other or have to disinfect the keyboard all the time, you know, and things like that. So that that I think that's a big, big break, right? When you look into a mall, I think one of the most exposure, potential exposure risks you can have is maintenance jobs you have to do together, but then also control rooms, right? So if you eliminate completely the need of going into the control room to start a new job, change a recipe, look at your yields, understanding things that helps, right? Things like that. And then I lately I've seen things around like like those contact tracing bracelets, that are not a gps tracker by any means but they tell you it's like hey you might be too close for too long of a time things like that were not even thinkable before that but i i think technology like that just makes it much easier to to um you know control a dangerous environment potentially dangerous environment we have for sure
1: yeah,
0: absolutely absolutely agree yep good well moving away from the covid a little bit and you know back to back to um the employee part of it, because I know it's it's a very important part for you is is your employees and and the development and so those so for me and I like to hear from, from most people what they do and you know how they see the role of a miller in this this time and in the future, right? We talked about technology, automation, taking a lot of the tasks away that have been done or improving them, right? So how do you see the the role of a miller in the future and today? and odd mills that you know how do, how do you develop them things like that
1: Yeah, and uh, this a very passionate topic for me again my, my background uh, being one of those technical Millers um, early on, I, I often tell my team it's a very special role what what I think all of us ask of our of our Millers um, again is this 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 art. Uh, being able to fill, fill stock through a roll stand or being able to smell um, or, or sense the different aspects of how a flour mill is running on a minute by minute, hour by hour basis. Taking that art and then using the science that we have and the technology that we have and then also building that into training others and, and the relationships that have to happen at a daily basis in a flour mill to get the work done. Um, I, I do believe it's the most demanding from a breadth. It's the most demanding role um, within within the four walls of running a flour mill, um, really across the industry. So, so developing talent, um, fostering the skill set of that talent, and providing the right technology, um, especially now, for millers to be able to do what they need to do: be efficient, be safe, and um, really deliver all those things that a given Miller is asked to do um, on, a, on a daily basis. Uh, just extremely difficult and challenging um, but that's where technology really can come in and help as well. Uh, it can be a real enabler both for growth for the individual and and for the business. So that, that can come in forms of, of automation um, from a control standpoint uh, you referenced it, it, it can come uh, in, in handheld devices um, through virtual technology, all those things that once you put in the hands of Miller, uh, they can get better at what they do every day, and they can feel more confident that they've got access to support and um, really build on their skills and then at the same time uh, start to develop that next generation of Millers behind them. Um, as we all know, it's a continuous yeah continuous path of being a miller, developing a miller, being developed by a miller, just so many things go on uh to building that skill set to help each uh, each individual be the best that they can be.
0: Yeah. It's good to hear that you guys also yeah. focus centrally around the miller still in the flour mill, which I think is a very important job and you know, my stance of it I said it a couple of times during the podcast series here, that you know, I I use technology as a Enabler and not not as as a replacement right it's very important that that mundane tasks and tasks that maybe don't make the job of a miller better can be automated right but there's there's decisions and improvements that definitely should come of the brain of a miller, and that's the brain to do that it's it takes a special person to be a miller you're right it's can be one of the most demanding tasks in the flower mill for sure if you see how widespread the responsibilities are it's it's quite impressive. And then um do all you right. have do you have any um special like um personal development training plan for millers? Like do you have they start as a shift miller or a loader, or do they have like internal um like school they have to go through or do you utilize outside resources?
1: Yeah, so really all of the above. Um so, obviously, we, we do uh, considerable recruiting, and we invest a lot of time and energy into supporting the, the milling science program at Kansas State. Obviously, that is a great, a great path for talent into the milling space. Um, we also, um, from, from a core diversity perspective, we intentionally do a lot of recruiting regionally um, through engineering programs, through technical programs. Uh, again, we're looking for that skill set of, of analytical, technical thinkers that also have good people, relationship skills, um, and that's who we're looking for as we, as we build our milling program, and that, and that can come from within as well. We, we may hire someone um, new in a role as a, as a bulk loader or as a sanitation um, utility person. And once it's identified that they have those technical aptitudes and and the people skills to become a miller, uh, then we start rolling through all those development opportunities. And and those those development opportunities, we we have an apprenticeship program within Ardent Mills for our milling uh, professionals. Uh, We use a lot of outside resources, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the, uh, IOM correspondence course, uh, a big part of that, the um, the short uh, courses offered at K-State by both IOM and Bueller um, are part of that. We, we do supplement some local technical. Pretty well, all of our, our facilities sit somewhere in the proximity of a local trade school where we can build in some of those technical skills for individuals that maybe don't come from a technical background. Um, and then those career paths continue to develop. Every miller in our group really has expectations around mentoring, and um, on-the-job training, so uh, we have just great partnerships both with IOM, with Kansas State University, and with some regional uh, technical um, curriculums where where we feel we've got a good pipeline of talent. Now, I say all that, and at the same time, I'll say it's not enough. Yeah. Uh, I think we all agree that that we need to continue to find uh, a larger talent pool, we need to continue to find a more diverse talent pool, and a big part of that is, is uh, and, and what we're focused on um, more now now than ever, is growing that talent pool from within, because across our broader um, team member base, we have a pretty good diverse talent pool, um, but once we specifically look at our technical milling group, um, Not that, so much. Talent, that diversity starts to shrink. Yep you got to fix
0: that. You absolutely have to fix that. I agree completely. And, 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 you know, I've seen, I've seen that happening here over the last nearly 11 years I spent in the United States now is I come from a different world, right. When it comes to, um, on the job education, right. European apprenticeship programs are very much government suppli supported and very stringent when it comes to what you learn and how you learn, which is a good thing, but also can be sometimes a little bit compressed, but, um, it, I think it's a wonderful, great tool because instead of, you know, sending somebody to a college setting where they might not fit, right, you can take that person and bring him through a job-based training with some school in between. And I personally was horrible at school before I became a Miller. And from then on, I was perfect because I was doing something I was passionate about. And, you know, there was some... some two, three classes I still was not interested in, but I did them for a reason, for a purpose, so I got better at them, right? And, and I, I, per, I learned it on a personal level how important the difference is between you have somebody that is made for college and you have somebody that's not made for college, and I was for sure not, right? But I had this other way. It was ready for me to go, and, and look. You know, now I'm here, and it worked out, and I've, I'm so happy to see companies within the US now kind of doing the same approach, not the exact same approach, but they say, hey, we don't have time to wait for the government on something like this, or on any other entity, let's just build our own thing, right? And if you're big enough like you guys are, it's, it's, it's definitely a way to go. You know, we know Bühler has a, some kind of an apprenticeship program in the United States that I thought was very impressive. You guys doing something that's very similar, right, where you have schooling, external external trainers, and, and your internal things all together packed into a job. And, and so, you know, we're looking into the same thing. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And you're right, we need to be looking at something like this and more to to be able to have the right and the good amount of skilled personnel filling our milling industry because we all know there's not enough people out there and that you kind of cut into that a little bit already but that leads me to my last question which I like to ask most of the people on the podcast is how do how do you promote the job of milling cranes because it's very not that much knowledge about it out there besides internally right and how do you add diversity which i think is one of the biggest challenges
1: yeah and a great uh, i tell you we've the, the the optimistic side of me we've we've done such a good job of elevating this conversation the last few years um the the pessimistic side of me is we haven't done enough so uh, it's both sides of the coin in my perspective but um to me the the, the the thing we really have to focus on is being together through this because it really is the industry. Um, we can all individually work to solve this and we'll make uh, incremental steps as, as our individual companies and and, um, and even individual plants. But really it's collectively that we need to come together in this space to, to, to make that transformational change that I know um, we, we all want to see happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's through the partnerships, the uh, both that, that are fostered through IOM. It's our university partnerships, um, it's the partnerships with other trade associations and networks uh, that that we can promote uh, and um, and really bring greater visibility to the career um, and, and to the opportunities that exist. Uh, what what to me is is really the the um, the, the most Critical part that, that we haven't got traction around is marketing. Such a great, uh, not just career opportunity. I think the career opportunities are obvious, yeah. but just this great culture that our industry has. These these relationships that we build, um, the, the the essential work that we do, the um, nutritious and healthy food that we provide to the food supply chain, all those things. We just need to figure out how to wrap those up and get it in a package and, and figure out how to market it so that um, it, it's uh, it's out there and, and uh, similar to an uh, aeronautical career or the petroleum industry. Uh, we have a great story to tell. We're getting better at telling it, but we've got to continue to get better. And, and that takes me to the diversity side of the question. Um, we, we, we also have to get better – Um, integrated with with um, manners which is minorities in agriculture and and, and national group Um, there's 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 different uh, affinity groups uh, around um, um, Hispanics Latinos blacks um, persons of color uh, gender diversity there's lots of different um, affinity groups that as an industry we need to figure out how to get better plugged into that already have this this network across the country, um, and, and really even globally. That if we can get get better plugged in and and be better at telling our story through those relationships and those networks, um, to me that's a bigger um, a bigger uh, net that we still need to, to cast broader. Um, I, I know within Arden Mills, um, we've got some really great employee resource groups uh, around women around black and persons of color, um, around our LGBTQ plus groups, and simply just by getting um, getting team members together, having safe spaces for those conversations, and then those networks to grow outside of the four walls of our organization have really started to bring conversations and opportunities and diversity um, to the table that just wasn't there before. So uh, I, I know I've said a lot, um, no, it's, it's wonderful. summarizes there is no one thing. There, yeah. I don't there's no silver bullet to this. It's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of dedicated passionate efforts. but um, I know we've got the passion, we've got the leadership uh, at IOM um, and across the industry that that it, it's not just we want to see this happen. we know it has to happen. So it's really about how do we collectively work uh, to make it happen and make it happen faster
0: exactly no i I really really love what you said and there's really not much to add besides i think it just just the biggest point i think you're making is we all in this together this is not an Arden mills this is not a miller milling this is this is not an adm job to be done this is all of us together and if it's from recruiting to diversity to integration it only works when (laughs) we all do it together in the right direction so i really i really appreciate that perfect Thanks you for taking the time, Troy.
1: No, this was great, Simon. I really appreciated. Great, uh, great spending some time talking to you.
0: All right. Well, um, you have a good rest of your week, and you know a good twenty twenty one. And I hope to yes, talk to you absolutely.
1: soon. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Wish you and uh, everyone else a, a, a very blessed twenty twenty one.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye. All right.